We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Lift it down the left field line. Out of play. Hey! That's and what she, I'm talking about. She got a souvenir, and now she's awake. <laughs> ah, I can see her smiling under that hat. Doing the old, I want dad to carry me to the car routine. He said, Wait a minute, it was five to four. <laughs> the last I remember. Five to four, I closed my eyes for a minute. Boom. Home is where that little girl wanted to be, lying in her bed instead. Little girl, like two years old, maybe three. I think she's four or five. You think so? Yeah, a little older than that. That's Bob uh, Vorwald, the uh, director of that broadcast the other night. That from Friday night in Washington. Right. And uh, what what happened was, let me set the scene for folks a little bit. You, there was a Cub fan. You're always finding the Cub fans on the road, um, and it's it's the score, by the way. It's hit and run. The baseball show. Bob Vorwald's our our guest co-host as we talk about baseball on TV. So you find this dude Cub fan with a beard and his little girl sitting on his lap. And slowly, during the course of a few innings, you check back every once in a while, she's sleeping, right? Correct. Uh, you know, it, a tight game suddenly becomes like a 10-run game. And, you know, uh, one of the things about covering the Cubs is every game's a home game because there's so many fans. Uh-huh. And again, it, it, you know, this is our, our great crew. You know, here's a camera guy who's a daily hire in Washington, but our director gives him the freedom to work, and he finds this shot, and the director takes it. And then our talking heads, to make a pun off the music coming in, Lennon J.D., <laughs> They don't ignore it. They embrace it. The, you know, it's baseball. It's fun. This little girl, and she's sound asleep, but dad's there at the game. And right? he's not leaving. He'll no. let her sleep on his chest. And then, as luck would have it, like two innings later, all of a sudden, they get a foul ball. What, are, now, they, what are the chances? The foul ball goes, and it literally, it bounces and lands right in front of him with his daughter in his lap. He can reach down and grab the foul ball. And, again, Len and Jim just make it so easy, and they can see that the girl's awake, and now they're having some fun with the fact that she's smiling and got a foul ball um but i sent you then you know so this game gets over late and everything and i get up the next morning and uh the father had sent a picture of uh he and his daughter uh after the game and sent a note to wgn saying thanks for making our night i have i have the email here if you don't mind yeah go ahead of this from um from from josh is his name and amelia uh, I guess is his wife or or the little girl. I'm not sure. I would love to thank all the fine folks at WGN Sports for putting the camera on me and my young daughter during tonight's game. It was her first Cubs game, and her mother's truly over the moon that you caught her getting a foul ball from me, her dad, in the top of the ninth. Her mother was watching from home. Lennon JD helped her feel like she was also a part of this big moment. Again, we'd love to thank you all from the bottom of our hearts. How cool is that? It doesn't get any better than that, right? right? That's it. No, it was awesome. And the first thing I do, you know, at 6 in the morning, is I send it to Lennon JD and Jim Howie, the director, and Mark Brady, and everybody in the truck of, yeah, this is why we do what we do. It's yeah, one man. of those little reminders from the universe of how cool it is. See, that's the best. That That's like, it, it, it reminds me of like, 
when every once in a while you'll get a note from somebody who says, I was going through this and you talking for four hours every day about yada, whatever, helped me get through it. Or like, I mean, that, that's what we're doing it for is that personal connection and enhancing the experience. And you get to do that on TV with these folks. It's awesome. Where it's really fun for me, Matt, is yeah. a lot of the old players. Because there are no old games. They weren't saved. But we do have highlight footage and little snippets here and there and everything. And I just come across guys from time to time that I can help them out and find a little clip to show that they played in the 60s or the 70s or something that way. Yeah. Um, I made a reel for Don Kessinger, Cubs shortstop, legendary. And I got a note from him that said, my grandkids had never seen me play baseball until you sent this. I mean, how fortunate am I to be able to do something like that? Wow. I found a clip of Eric Soderholm and his young daughter at like a father's daughter game in the mid seventies. And he was kind of blubbering when he called me to say, thanks. You know, that's just for somebody who loves the game to be able to give back to the players that I watched as a kid. Yeah. is just a, is a dream come true. WGN uh, started as a station in 1948 and had some Cubs and some White Sox immediately. I think uh, we were on the air with baseball three days after the station went on the air, and the first game was a Cubs Sox. They used to play a city series. Yep. Uh, before the before season, the season. Yeah. And, and, and then it, it became one game before it went away completely. Yeah, and so, uh, but they were televising right from the get go. And uh, yes, the Sox beat the Cubs in that very first telecast. In 1952, WGN became the exclusive Cubs broadcaster, and. You know, some may not realize that Jack Brickhouse was not just the broadcaster, but he was the sports director, later an executive, not just the play-by-play man. And Brickhouse hired you. Is that correct? Is that what we heard at the beginning well, of the Jack show? Jack Rosenberg hired me, that okay. typewriter that older fans will remember in the background. Jack Rosenberg was the sports editor who, if Brickhouse ever said anything funny, Rosie probably wrote it for him. <laughs> and uh, Rosie was the guy that brought me in. Um, but Jack was still working there at the time and everything that way. So I got to, you know, kind of have my fingers in the group that really started baseball on television in Chicago. How about it? So you, you worked with Brickhouse. Obviously, were you were directing games or, or were you in charge of games when Harry was broadcasting? No, I was. Um, so I was there in the early 80s. So I ran around and I was the kid and I did some stuff at the station and a few things with the telecast and knew Harry that way, and then he had passed away right before I took the job in 98. The Cubs had brought Chip in to right. work with Harry, and then Harry died that uh, February before Chip could even do a game with him. And, and in between, in that interim, you were working with Mark Jean Greco over at ABC? Uh, at NBC. At NBC, uh, NBC me. at the time. I did of a at Fox and then uh, with Bruce Wolf, and then uh, with Jean Greco. And I came to it as I hadn't been a production truck guy. I literally sold myself on the job as – I'll learn that part of the job, but as a viewer, here's the list of things that I think that you should think of and I think mm-hmm. we can manage. And thankfully for WGN, to me, from WGN, they bought it, and uh, I kind of learned on the fly. But Arnie knew what he was doing. I mean, everybody knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. My job was to get, and still is, get the right people and give them the tools they need to succeed and then stay out of the way until they need something. So I'm kind of the tip of this spear and don't want to – Anybody to think that I'm taking credit for all these years, I've just been kind of getting out of the way so that people can do their jobs. I loved this as I was reading about the history that in the 1962 season, WGN would occasionally cover the Cubs and White Sox games occurring simultaneously using the respective announcing staffs for both teams. And they used the word bingo as a signal to the other announcers to switch to game action that required switching to coverage of the other ongoing game. This is incredibly low tech 
simulcasting of two games and bouncing back and forth. Jack would do a Cub game and then go do a White Sox night game and all sorts of other things. I mean, you know, that's the same year, though, that we're always proud of. The very first uh, Telstar satellite went up in 1962 so that you could bounce television pictures. The first image anybody in Europe saw of American television was from Wrigley Field. Wow. They had arranged all these different things they were going to showcase on this first broadcast. And the first thing was supposed to be President Kennedy's uh, news conference. But it was running late, and they had a Cubs-Phillies game there. <laughs> and for one time, the Andy Frayne ushers let people move down closer to the field so it looked fuller. Uh. And they had made an announcement before and said, look, when you hear this, cheer no matter what's going on. So even as I think Larry Jackson is throwing a pitch, people were standing on their feet and cheering because they were on the satellite to Europe. And, and somewhere, a kid in Poland became a Cubs fan. Yeah, well, my first year, Matt, in 98, the internet was new, email was kind of new, and we found out that I got a note from the Russian U.S. Embassy in in Moscow, and they were watching all the games at like four in the morning, the night games, so McDonough gave me a box of stuff, and uh, Cubs stuff, and we sent it to the Russian Embassy, you could see the games on Armed Forces Network or something, and I've got a picture somewhere of all these people in front of the Kremlin wearing Cubs gear saying, you know, go Cubs, go WGN. Amazing. Um, The White Sox left for a long time. Uh, They had some games shown under a variety of partnerships on GN and came back to GN in 1990. These days, how many White Sox games this year? So 55 White Sox games, pretty steady over the years. Okay, 55 uh, 55 White Sox games. And then, and and how many Cubs games this Uh, year? 45 now. And this is the 70... 72nd season. There's no relationship, no sports team television relationship like this anywhere. 72nd season for Cubs and WGN. Um, and when people think about certain iconic things, they think about, uh, uh, Van Halen's jump for the, for the, for the leadoff man, right? 1984. Yeah. 1984 is when that one started. Yes. It ran forever. When I see those guys, uh, the 84 group at the conventions or something, you know, I'll just like sing it in Bob Denier's ear and he's ready to jump up and run out and play center field. (laughs) There you go. And then. Go Cubs Go shows up from Steve Goodman uh, as commissioned, essentially. Like they asked Steve Goodman to come right, up with a song. That was a radio song. thing, not really a TV thing. Right, but WGM yeah, they, radio. They, but they had but, Steve write it, yes. They had Steve Goodman write it, who was a, a legendary folk and singer. Like Gary and Matthews fan. and Moreland and some of the players actually in the background on that song. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. And then um, and, and when did when did TV start using that? Or did everybody start using it after radio popularized? You know, it was kind of around, and then I don't know, around two thousand and five or so, six. They started when they started playing it. I think it was Jay Blunk, Jay and John, somewhere in there, started playing it after the Cubs win. Mm-hmm. And uh, our group noticed everybody was singing, and we said, "Let's shut up for a minute." And on that day, let the song play mm-hmm. and let people sing and let everybody. Feel that something, and we got feedback on that right away that that's what people wanted. And again, here's Len willing to not give the totals, not rap, willing to take a silent mic for 30 or 40 seconds yeah. to let that be a thing. And it's just something that happened organically and is really fun. Now, you will notice, usually we hang with it until he says you can catch them all on WGN. That's uh-huh. no accident. <laughs> I'm not surprised Len uh, has that kind of selflessness as a broadcaster. He's a bass player. 
You know? Again, but we want to take you to the game, right? Yeah. If you were at the game, that's what you would listen to and sing along. So it's only right that we let that happen for a little bit. But in the music world, like the personality of the bass player, he doesn't really get the spotlight. You know, you're, you're laying down the foundation and you're very important. It doesn't happen without you, but you're, you're setting it up so the guitarist and singer can shine. But he makes music part of the telecast because he's yes, he into does. it. He's got Mark into it. And our music license allows us a little bit of game. And yeah. So if we're going to go to go to Seattle, we have the chance to play a bunch of local bands and just kind of, again, take you, take you to the game, right? Yep. Take you to that feeling. Take you to the town that we're in. So, um, and then just, just to address it and then we... We can move on. This is the final year for both Cubs and Sox, at least as it stands right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's read kind of what's going on. And all I know is it's our job to run through the finish line. We have great partners with the Cubs and Sox, great relationships. People above my pay grade are going to figure out what's going forward mm-hmm. with the marquee network and other things. And we wish them all the best. We're happy to be doing what we're doing right now, and we'll let other people kind of worry where the future goes because we're pretty busy this summer making sure you get to see some good baseball. Understood. And then, and the feelings for you as you're doing it, I, I would assume it just you know adds a level of, of concentration or a level of emotion. I, can, I see how much you love it to begin with. I think for all of us, every day at the ballpark is a good day. You never know what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just not worth our time to get kind of wrapped up in the macro you know, yeah. game day is more important. We'll let other people worry about legacies and things like that. Our job is to make sure that we're holding up yeah. our end of the bargain. You know, we stand on the shoulders of some giants with Arnie and Brickhouse and Hawk and all these people who've done it for many decades. We've got a big responsibility every day to make sure we do that. Was there a professionally satisfying moment from two th- from 2016, from when the Cubs eventually got it done, um, that 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 stands that stands out to you. Obviously, once the playoffs come, you've handed off the broadcast to the national partners. The coolest thing that I get to do is I'm in charge of the pool coverage for the rallies. So when we when our team wins a championship, and I got to do this with the Bulls three times with the Hawks, with the Sox and the Cubs, when you see that rally and the stage and all that. All the TV stations are banding together. There's one crew that's putting that whole thing together, and then everybody's sharing the feed because you don't have the room or the time for sure. everybody to have their own. Sure, I get to put those together. Wow! And uh, with the you know, with the Bulls, we didn't have parades in those days, so it was just at the Petrillo Band Show. Sure. And then when the White Sox won, the mayor changed his tune a little bit. <laughs> And it was one of the greatest days of my life because I root for both teams. My bread's buttered on both sides. Um, And when this happens, the teams are not going to make plans until they've won it. They just refuse to for superstition's sake. Mm -hmm. So you've got 24 hours of craziness to get this whole thing set up and to get everybody to buy in and to get a truck. And where's it going to be? And we're going to put this whole thing together. And all of it. And we didn't know what a parade, a White Sox parade would look like. And they came down LaSalle, LaSalle. and those uh, confetti cannons were flying. Unbelievable. And it was magic. Yeah, it was. And then you get to the Cubs and the, the Blackhawks. We had a great time with those. And we had three different venues. One had to be moved to Soldier Field because of the mud. But you come to the Cubs, and everybody knew it was going to be epic. But we didn't know what epic was. So when those guys got off the bus, and I was backstage because to kill, there's always downtime from when they arrive to when they come on the stage. And – one of the things that we came up with was let's interview guys. They can see, be seen on the big screen and to all your TVs sure. who are not speaking at the rally. 
and it, it's a great chance to fill some time and a great chance to showcase them. Those players, yes, there was alcohol involved, but they were awestruck when they got off the buses. They couldn't believe what they had seen. So to be a part of that as yeah. a longtime fan, and that was the one that we were missing, uh, to be a part of that rally and to get to, to, to handle those pools, that's the highlight, I think, for me professionally. That, that's, that, that's pretty amazing. As you're talking about those rallies and those, and those moments, that's, that's serious, obviously, the Chicago sports history that you're a part of. So when Konerko takes the ball out of his pocket and hands it to Reinsdorf at that rally, you're there. It's right? our crew. It's, you know, it's our guys. It's our director. We're, you know, and there's a lot of pressure, too, because every TV station is taking you. Uh-huh. ESPN, everybody's on that group, right? So, and it's a track meet in that 24 hours from when you meet with the city to where's the venue going to be to getting all the materials together and a TV truck there and a yeah. camera crew and everything else. And then it's also not normal television because each of the other stations wants to be able to put in their own graphics. Uh-huh. They want to do their own thing. So you're trying to do the cleanest show for the greatest good um, and still display everything. And you're going on adrenaline because everybody's been traveling and the team just won and nonstop coverage. And again, in this window that I've been doing it, I got to do it for all the teams. It doesn't get much better. That's awesome. This hour on 670 The Score is brought to you by Fisher Oven Roasted, Never Fried Snack Nuts. Never Fried, Nothing to Hide, and brought to you by Geneva National Resort and Club in Lake Geneva. Talking about baseball on TV on Hit and Run. If you want to talk to Bob Vorwald, you can at 312-644-6767. That's the phone number, 67011 via text. Good stories during the break. Bob Vorwald going to make you share some of those on the air. 670, the score is where you are. It's hit and run. 670-11 via text. 312-644-6767 if you want to call up and talk to me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bob Vorwald, about uh, baseball on TV. This is uh, Jason in St. Paul, Minnesota, who's been holding and is now on hit and run. What's up, Jason? Good morning. Hey, great behind-the-scenes show, guys. Uh, as far as the radar gun, I'm guessing you got one in a fixed position to catch the flight of uh, the pitcher's pitch. But I always get a kick out of wondering how fast is Javi flipping it over to Rizzo or Contreras throwing down to second. Is there any way to get more uh, non-pitcher pitch speeds as, as in the broadcast? Hmm. That's a stat, a stat cast question, um, and um, there are certain times when they give us information. Usually it's like an outfield throw, like a, a velocity on a Jason Hayward throw um, to, to home plate. Uh, they can on an infield thing, and a lot of times, again, you come back to that frame of reference. Um, I think those things make air when you see somebody just fire an absolute seed, um, but it's not really something that we look at on every single throw to second base. Interesting. So the frame of reference, it, 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 what, what is that mindset for the local broadcast? If, if you, you know, is a 70 mile an hour throw to first base normal? Is it fast? Is it, you have to be able to explain, you have to be able to kind of put it in its place. Mm-hmm. 
Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything to the viewer. Understood. Understood. Um, when, when, when I reached out to a couple colleagues of yours, they said, you got to ask about this or you got to ask about that. One colleague of yours said, I should ask you about the no-hitter thrown by Chicago Dogs legend Carlos Zambrano, which, of course, took place in Milwaukee. And, and tell me about that, that broadcast experience. Well, it almost wasn't on TV, and I will pound my own chest because I was the one that got it on TV. The Drayton McLean, or the Astros owner was a Drayton McLean at the so. time, did not want to give up the home series against the Cubs with mm-hmm. a hurricane. And finally, they, were, they canceled the Friday game. They canceled the Saturday game. Literally Saturday night at around 6 o'clock, uh, I get a call at home. They're moving the two games to Milwaukee. Sunday night, Monday afternoon. And these were on the broadcast schedule as WGN games. Uh, my poor wife, I left the dinner party we were throwing and immediately got on the phone because you don't have the right to broadcast on Sunday night against Sunday night baseball. And we couldn't find an answer. So I spent the night and my general manager at the time, Marty, gave me permission to spend a lot of money not knowing whether we do the game because I had to find a TV truck. We had to find a crew. <laughs> we had to get everybody up to Milwaukee. It's the only time I ever checked my phone in mass the next morning because we still didn't have a yes that we could do the game. And we did the game. I got a yes at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We had everything all set up anyway at uh-huh. that point with the idea it could only be on in Chicago. It couldn't preempt the Sunday night game, which turned out to be the White Sox hosting the Tigers. Um, and it couldn't be shown on WGN America because we still had games on the Superstation at that point. Um, I always kept an immaculate scorecard when, Umbron- when Zambrano pitched because I was convinced he was going to throw one someday. And that was part of my argument with the Cubs and everybody is we have to make sure this game is on TV. What if he throws a no-hitter? And I used that phrase several times. Wow. So we got about six <laughs> innings deep in the game, and I'm trying to keep my scorecard because Mark Brady, the producer, has one of Kerry Woods' 20 strikeout game signed, and that's what I want. And first, my mom is calling from Wisconsin. How do I get tickets? And now it's ESPN wanting to pick up our telecast, which we've given them rights to eight ways to Sunday, but no, the other hand doesn't know what's going on there. So long story short, my scorecard was ruined. ESPN <laughs> did show the end of the no-hitter. More importantly, it was shown in Chicago the whole game. Yeah. And when the last out came, I didn't jump out, jump up and cheer. I jumped up and said, I knew it. I told you so. <laughs> I told you we had to be here. And indeed you were. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th-ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Um, one of my favorite stories about TV production involves a rat inside the the Green Monster at Fenway in the 1975 World Series. And at first I thought it was legend, but having done some reading, I, th- I think this is true. There's a cameraman inside the monster at, at Fenway in the 75 World Series. And because of, of annoyance and obstruction from this rat, he didn't do his job, which he was supposed to do, which was, I believe, to follow the flight of the ball or supposed to go to a certain um, outfielder or whatever his job was. And he ended up staying on the batter. And the batter was Carlton Fisk, who had a home run off the left field foul pole to extend the, uh, to extend the game. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and, and that moment of happenstance 
led to this desire then to keep the camera on the batter and get human reaction shots, get the actual emotion because it was happenstance. Have you heard that story before? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Harry Coyle was a legendary director of NBC that okay. stayed on the shot. Yeah. All right, so Harry Coyle ended up staying on the shot. And so that that's a huge moment, right? Because then it becomes about the personal reaction and you're trying to tell the story. Um, it, is that, it, has, has that guided the broadcast a little bit more through the decades, that wanting to get personal and, and, and know the stories of stuff like that? Or, do you, is it, is it, or, or am I overstating what that has done to the game? No, I, I, you know, WGN is very proud of their role in, if not inventing, um, certainly popularizing the center field camera shot. You know, the, most of the games in the 50s were kind of the pitcher batter were in the same frame kind of from high third. And WGN was doing a lot of uh, – did some Little League games at Old Thillen Stadium mm-hmm. with the camera there. And because of that, whether they invented it or not, they used it much more and it became in vogue because of, of their coverage there. Um, you know, that almost gets into, Matt, what's the difference between a national and a local broadcast, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I think on Sunday Night Baseball, for example, they are – going to do the Cubs and Nationals tonight, but they're broadcasting to an audience that doesn't include, it includes a lot of people that are not fans of their team. So their breadth of coverage is going to be much, much wider than ours would be on a normal game where there's a certain familiarity. Right. You know, um, there's, you know, I don't think we show praying Cub fans the way that a national postseason game seems to fixate on, <laughs> you know, um, right. They've got their narratives yeah, that they, they might be looking their, to push. You know, we're much more, we don't have a narrative. We don't go into any certain game going, these are the things we're going to cover. You think that's a benefit of knowing that you're there every day? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just different. Right, it's a different I mean, it's, thing. You're, you're just you're like, trying to service a different audience. Let, whatever the story is, let, let's follow that. Right. Not we're going to try and fit what we've been discussing. And it's also a comfort in the intellect of the two guys calling the game on both sides of town. I, you know, they're prepared. They've got stuff to talk about. They're entertaining. You know, we're not just going to throw them out there, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's, they're going to carry the ball and we're going to be there with them to give them what they need, but we don't feel the need to force a lot of things on them. Mm. And they're so good because they bring so much to the table already, things that they want to do. Is there, you know, so many times we hear from people who in the playoffs they say, man, I wish I could have Lennon JD. Or, in a, it, or, or if the Sox are on a, on a national game, like, boy, I wish I could have my Benetti and my Stone and stuff like that. Is, is there any way anything like that would ever happen? Is that the future of, of broadcasting is that you'd have the opportunity to stay with your local guys? You know, ironically, 1983 Sox was the last time that that happened, that there was local TV on the playoff games. Mm. So White Sox fans got to hear their hometown call on those games. In 84, when the Cubs went, was the first time that you couldn't. That's, Ar- that's the demarcation Yeah, point. and Arnie Harris, of all people, didn't get to direct a postseason game kind of because of it. You know, going forward, I, there's so many streams and different things out there. I don't know. Maybe you could see a – again, the national broadcasters are paying so much money yeah. right, for those rights – do they get to the point where like it's the final four and you have a home team, you know, and it's a, it's a pay world where you're paying extra to be in there. It's an offshoot. 
you know, if I had to guess, I would say I, I can see that happening sometime in the future. I, I don't know I, of anything concrete. That's right. just me speculating. But it just makes too much sense if there's another revenue stream or another way to do it. Absolutely. It's like the mega cast that ESPN does for the NCAA championship. The football games are just unbelievable. All those different options and choosing you know, when I'm when I'm watching that, I don't know. Do you take advantage of that when that takes place? So just you can out of see curiosity, yeah, yeah, just to see what they're doing and how the film room works. And again, there's you know the fact that if you're a Clemson fan, you can hear two guys you know calling the game for you. Right, it's really interesting to watch. What I ended up doing, and you know, you could do it, set it up however you want because you're gonna have multiple screens. I ended up watching the football game on the big screen in real time. I set up the all 22, the above field right. angle on my iPad and had that off to the right of the TV and I paused it. So that was running about five seconds behind. So I'd watch the play. Then I'd look over and see the play again from the all 22. And then I could look back and see whatever replay they chose to show me on the regular broadcast. I mean, it's remarkable what kind of control you can have if you want to do that with a game. But it makes a big event a big event, yes. right? This layering just adds yeah. adds to the spectacle, and I think it's a win for everybody. Yeah, and I, I think it's the I think it's the eventual natural evolution. They'll have to figure out how to how to split the monies and uh, and feel good about splitting the promotional aspects of it too. All right, one more segment of baseball on TV. The conversation three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is a phone number. I'm making Vorwald stay till noon. At noon, it is Shep and Mark Grody right here on six seventy. The score. You've got 670 to score. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Chicagoland Papa John's. Chicagoland Papa John's is offering free pizza this weekend. Buy one pizza at regular price and get a second pizza of equal or less value for free. Use promo code FREEPIZZADAY on the Papa John's app or online at papajohns.com. That's promo code FREEPIZZADAY. Um, Bob Vorwald, Len Casper, lent out to Fox TV yesterday doing the national game with Joe Girardi. And interesting stuff when Joe Madden protested the game there in the ninth inning because Sean Doolittle's pitching motion, which is akin to what Kenley Jansen does, what Clayton Kershaw does, what Carl Edwards Jr. tried to do, uh, is definitively illegal if the foot comes down and he actually does tap it on the mound. Now, he seems to, every once in a while, hit the, hit the ground a little bit. And if it hits the ground at all... That's illegal. Uh, Jansen and Kershaw never do. Uh, Edwards did and held his foot down sometimes for a full second that first weekend in Texas. Oh, Carl. So you can't do that. And I love Joe Madden sticking up for Carl. That's essentially what last night was. But now that game is under protest. Will MLB then go back to the broadcast? Will they get in touch with the broadcast director? Will they just look at the tape as it exists? Do they want, like, if they need to see close-ups of the foot to see whether it's actually happening, do, do you occasionally have to work with MLB's office on things like that? So, first thing, it's uh, interesting that Joe and Doolittle are at each other because they are the two coolest cats in the game. Mm. Sean Doolittle... So they would funny. be like best friends in another world. Sean Doolittle on social media seeks out old bookstores in every town that he goes to. I mean, he's a really interesting guy, both a huge charity, you know, driven yeah. guy. So it's odd to see them at odds. And Doolittle's quote last night was great. In that moment, he's not trying to do anything other than rattle me. It was kind of tired. I don't know. Sometimes he has to remind people how smart he is and how much he pays attention to the game. So he put his stamp on it for sure. It's something like, you know, we all used to say about Tony La Russa. That's pretty funny. Right. They are, you know... You don't like Joe unless he's on your team. Yeah, right, and you exactly. Love him, right? Sure. But um, what happens now is MLB is recording everything from us. 
for the replay. So they've got all our stuff, and they've got all the stuff from the visiting truck as well. They're taking in everything that we're showing in real time, so they have access to it. All right, so that's interesting. So because they're the master replay, the master of replay at MLB, they're taking your feed, whatever, like from the ballpark. So because we clarified this earlier in the show, the ballpark has feeds, um, and then you and the other broadcast then take those feeds. Where the truck plugs into the stadium and, you know, uh, sends uh, stuff on a fiber line back to the station. Yeah. There is a place where we are also plugging in to MLB, and this is with all the leagues, to send them the truck signal and various ISO cameras. They have a whole laundry list of things that we provide. Wow. Every team provides. Yeah. And, and supposedly MLB has more angles. Right. Right. Than, than what you have in the truck in Correct. terms of replaying. Is that definitively true? Yes. I, can't, I don't understand how that works. What, what angles they have? They have fixed cameras in stadiums that then show them bases up close, that kind of thing? Right, and they're high resolution. And so in their place, they can blow things up. They can you know manipulate the images uh, a lot of different ways. So they're working with it. A lot more material than just what we're showing you. That's hard to internalize, even when you've been told that. As you're watching replay, you're thinking, even when the broadcaster's saying, remember that they have other stuff, it's just out of habit. You're thinking like, okay, well, I, I see this. This is what I should be judging on. I want to see what they see. Why can't we see what they see? Have you seen what they see? In some sense, in some instances, you can. Um, not always, but you they're... We can get, you know, um, what we've got, what the other trucks got. So, yes and no. But most of the time, you're, you know, you have to leave it to them and just know that they've got more. At the same time, when it's umpires judging umpires, uh-huh. it's only natural that people are always going to wonder, you know, are they kind of couching things behind the, I don't want to show this guy up. We'll just, it's too close. We'll let it stand. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is this sounds this has got some Pravda to it here for me as we're discussing this. It's got the reek of uh, of, of them having a level of control. Oh, you don't need to see that. You know, it's our proprietary stuff. But every once in a while, you can like the, a feed will come back to the truck from MLB. We have a monitor that that uh, gives us an MLB return. I want to come hang out with you. Come hang out with you in that truck. How has that transformed what you do? Because it has transformed, this focus on replay has transformed the way that we appreciate the game. For instance, I can't tell you who the best tagger as a middle infielder was in the 1990s or the early 2000s. It was never a thing until I, we had Javi, right? Right. I can tell you he now. He created his own category and became the best at it. But replay has done it too. The, the culture of replay has allowed us to appreciate slides and tags around the base paths in a way that we never even thought about. Don't you think? And unintentionally, do you think when they went to replay, they really thought about guys popping off the bag for a millisecond? No. And did players always know to hold the tag on the Mm -hmm. whole time the way they do now? I mean, unintentional consequences of how they change the game. The broadcast perspective, we have a couple super slow-mo Replay machines, yeah. and so the producer has to decide in certain situations, okay, I want these cameras in super slow-mo um, b- based on what that camera's duties are, right? Because Yeah, you can only choose a couple of cameras to have with yeah, that? Yes, so every how many machines you have, it's expensive, and there's sure. technology involved and everything that way, sure. but they have to decide what I'm going to put in the mo 
play at the plate, different things like that, where, you know, what camera is going to give you also the most utility, right? For the most part, you know you want to have a play at first base. You know you want to be covered on a play at the plate. You know, where are you going to be covered if the guy's blocking? There's so many things that go into whether you have the sure. right angle a lot of times, and that's across all sports. All right, first of all, I really like that I know a little jargon. Put it in the mo. Is what you just said, right? Is that is that some truck right. speak? That's uh, assign a camera to the machine that has the super slow mo. I, I figured yeah. that that's awesome. Right, um, you've won today, man. You've got a takeaway. <laughs> Put it in the mo. Hey, how are you? Put it in the mo. I'm just gonna start talking to TV guys like that. So, but that that's what I was was driving at. Is like this need to see things to that level has probably driven broadcasts, um, broadcasters and entities to spend more money on certain cameras like that so you can keep up with, with, with the demands of a viewer in that sense. And that's only going to continue as you go on. I mean, the advent of HD really across sports made all of this possible, you know, with the replays and everything else, just a regular HD replay. That's what, 2001, 2002? It really kind of, we did our first game in August of 2001. We started doing all the home games, I want to say 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. and then added the road games probably about 2007, mm-hmm. something like that. What, what, have, uh, what have been the biggest changes, you think, in, in the baseball broadcasting industry during your last 21 years that you've been uh, in this role? I. Two, the technology, right? The the high definition now with the replay, everything else, and then the analytics. I mean, just the numbers. You know, you just have so much more to talk about and explain because the decisions are residing there much more than they are in the manager's gut. Right. So, you know, where you you know, you try and think about, you know, well, is he gonna sacrifice here? And, you know, does he feel like the things you might have been talking about in 1998, not even a question. You know that this, you know, this guy's hitting this against this, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's going to go with this pinch hitter because they're going to change pitchers here, and it's much more choreographed based on in- information than it ever was speculating whether Don Zimmer might suicide squeeze with the bases full in right. 1989. Well, you know, what's interesting is that you've got obviously play-by-play guys who are usually. Uh, open-minded and or steeped in that kind of stuff. And then they have to decide what the approach is and they could partner with you. Like, cause you don't, you want to, you want to educate, but you never want to condescend to your viewer. But I, I would, you're in a time window, you know, uh-huh. you're between pitches, you're between, you're in certain situations sure. of the game, you know, sometimes, and this is this way with any baseball story, it has to fit into the window and the context of what you're doing because otherwise you're going to trot on the game, which is the most important thing. Mm. And, and, and I would assume that conversations with venerable color men have taken place in every market over the past couple of decades about, hey, you got to be more open to this. Or you really need to consider if you're not going to do be into this, then maybe, you know, like those kind of things. You, you got you to talk to those guys and make sure they're paying attention to stuff, right? Right. And the best part about it is when the conversation kind of comes on the air. I love the guys that will admit, I don't know this. Let's yeah. learn this together. One of the great things about Jim Deshays is he's curious, but he also is just has no ego whatsoever. He's not afraid to say, I don't know. And mm-hmm. let's learn it together. You know, Steve Stone, I think 
it's been fascinating to watch his evolution. Some things he just doesn't buy at all. Some things he sees immense value in. And he and Jason have a real uh, give and take about that on the air that's not made up. Yeah. And again, you're part of the barstool conversation, and that's when TV is at its best. Yeah, no, it's it's when radio is 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 at its best too. When it can be like that, as a you know, it, with different people from different perspectives and different styles, kind of, kind of, kind of learning it that way. Yeah, there's there's it's it's the right mix with Jason and Stoney. It, it really is. You know, I know some people miss Hawk, and I all respect to a tremendous career with Hawk, but having. Having the the older guy and the younger guy often is the way to go for baseball conversations because we have a million of them. It's, it's, it's how the issues get represented a lot. And again, it's just real. Those conversations happen at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They happen between innings. They happen anytime because that's how they interact. Mm-hmm. And it makes it even better when it's on the air because you get to listen in. It's the closing music from this week in baseball, Bob. I've stolen it completely. I use the opening music for the show uh, as the opening music from this week in baseball. I've stolen that the gathering completely. Crowd is that the ah title? yes, yes, it is a gathering Let's crowd. Geek out together, yeah, right. Geeking out on the uh, uh, on, on the music that was made available, the stock music that was made available. I'm I'm doing it until I'm sued, but I don't think I'm going to get sued. Twib is dead. Long live Twib. This has been really fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. He's Bob Vorwald, director of production at WGN. That was some fun conversation geeking out about baseball and television. Thank you also to Chris Kampka. Thank you to my producer, Zach Withers, today. Next up on The Score, it is Nick Shepkowski and Mark Grody. Shep and Groats are next. Have a great day, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.